Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite Rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Hey folks, if you are concerned about all those irregular migrants illegally waltzing into Canada, have no fear. The authorities are making certain to ask these folks tough screening questions to make sure we aren't harboring any bad guys here. For example, one question is, do you play video games? <laughs> no, seriously. Sheila Gunn-Reed shall explain all. And the federal election is over and perhaps the biggest constituency that is not happy with the results are those living in the province of Alberta. More governance from the Trudeau Liberals means yet more years of pipeline paralysis. And the hit on the economy is creating a very real separatist movement in Wild Rose country. Rebel Commander Ezra Levant will drop by to offer his thoughts. And finally, letters, we get your letters, we get your letters every minute of every day. And I'll share some of your responses regarding the amount of physicality that rebel reporters had to put up with by those on the oh-so-tolerant left. Yeah, when it comes to tolerance, liberals like to talk a mean game. In practice, not so much. Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. Two years ago, it was discovered that RCMP officers were screening Quebec border crossers on religion and religious values using a questionnaire. And this became, I don't know, I guess very controversial in left-wing open borders type circles. Some questions asked directly about the migrants' religion and how often they practice said religion, whatever that might be. Specifically, question number 31 on the 41 question form asked, Canada is a very liberal country that believes in freedom of religious practice and equality between women and men. What is your opinion on this subject and how would you feel if your boss was a woman? Now, as you know, I'm no feminist, but that seems, I don't know, sort of like a pretty reasonable question to be asking anybody who desires to live in our country. Apparently, the feminists in the liberal government, though, are just perfectly fine with importing a migrant population that thinks women are a subspecies to the menfolk around here because Public Safety Minister Ralph Goodale has pledged that any data that had been collected using that questionnaire would be expunged and purged and destroyed, even if it did indeed identify terrorist sympathies in some migrants. Ah, welcome to Canada, folks, where not only can you illegally waltz across the border without enduring any aggro whatsoever from law enforcement, but once you are upon Canadian soil, you will not be asked any impolite questions lest those questions end up offending you. Because there is no greater crime in this day and age than hurting somebody's feelings, even if that somebody happens to subscribe to, oh, I don't know, jihad, as, a, as opposed to Western values. Incredible. And joining me now with more on a story that seemingly defies all logic if one cares about the security of a country is the host of The Gun Show, Sheila Gunn-Reed. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, my friend. Hey, David. It's so great to be on this side of the camera. <laughs> After <laughs> well, filling in for you for a while. <laughs> well, th thank you for keeping the seat warm while I was gone on the uh, the election trail, Sheila. You did a great job. But, Sheila, um, 
let me get this straight. One of the allegedly new and improved questions directed at those crossing the border is, do you play video games? What in blue blazes is the relevance of such a question? I don't know. I don't know if they're looking to see if uh, the illegal migrants are playing violent video games um, as opposed to, I guess, Candy Crush or <laughs> Bubble Witch or whatever people play on their phones these days. But I thought it was uh, sort of a bizarre question considering um, the uh, public safety ramifications or lack thereof. Um, we asked for the questionnaire that had been cancelled by uh, the public safety minister um, because that original questionnaire had asked about Canadian values, um, the religion of the migrants, and I suppose maybe more importantly, the frequency and fervor with which the migrants practice their said religion. So um, the original questionnaire also had a question that asked um, how the migrants would feel if they had a female boss and if they believed in freedom of religion. Now, those are pretty important things to me as a woman and probably important to you as uh, a man who uh, is pretty into women. You know, I think you pretty, <laughs> pretty, you like your wife and you want to make sure that she's treated okay. Yeah. And uh, th that questionnaire was not only scrapped, but all the data was expunged. So even if it identified people with extremist tendencies crossing the border, that data will never be used. We, we won't know what the answers to those questions were. We asked for that questionnaire and we never got it. Instead, we got this new questionnaire, which we assume is the one that they're currently using at the border. And the reason we assume that is because they actually blacked out um, some of the um, behavioral tells and cues that the border officers, the CBSA and the RCMP are watching for at the border. And gone are all the questions about whether or not um, you believe in not just Canadian values, but Western civilization values of equality between the sexes and freedom of religion and expression. Um, and in their place are questions about whether or not you support ISIS or the Taliban, which I, I can't imagine a lone wolf ever answering that question, honestly. But also um, questions about what do you play video games and what video games do you play? It almost felt like they were just putting questions in to replace the ones they took out. It, but, you know, Sheila, it, it's such a flawed premise because, you know, on so many fronts here, um, there are so, I mean, the video game industry, it, it's bigger than Hollywood right now in terms of revenues uh, that movies generate. Uh, there are all kinds of violent video games out there. That's without a question. But similarly, there are people that play these violent video games. These are residents that would never think of, you know, uh, carrying right. out a real act of violence. I mean, it, it's, it's a fantasy realm. So it, the whole process, I would assume, is flawed. But, you know, you said something else there about trying to find out if some of these migrants come from a culture where sexism is the norm, where it, it's okay to, um, you know, feel superior uh, to women. And so maybe that's the, uh, you know, the catch in terms of the video game question, Sheila. If, if one were to answer, I prefer playing Pac-Man to Mrs. Pac-Man, <laughs> maybe it's a trick question to find out if that guy's a sexist. <laughs> David, Pac-Man is a 40-year-old video game. <laughs> 
you know, it, it's so strange though because <laughs> in 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 light of all this information uh, that we got just in like the day before the election, we also heard news that um, the Liberal government is canceling the warrants of people who um, are under deportation order if they can evade the police for long enough. Uh, so uh, basically, whenever anybody walks into our country, they're entitled to an immigration refugee board hearing. And at that point, they'll be uh, determined to be deported. So we're not doing like deportations right at the border. So you come into the country illegally, you say you're a refugee, you're claiming uh, status in our country, we invite you back, um, it's catch and release, we say okay off you go, but be sure to show up at such and such a time, 90 days, 6 months, a year from now and we'll decide if you get to stay in the country. If those people don't return for their um, refugee board hearing and they evade the police for long enough, Right now, the government is canceling their warrants, um, which is rewarding people for absconding from the law in the first place. They broke the law to come into our country, so total disregard for the law. And then they uh, break the law by not returning for their refugee hearing. And then they evade the law and we say, fine, it's fine. You know, Sheila, this has me seething. Uh, this is a complete dereliction of duty. If we, I mean, that is outrageous. You have, you're saying right now that your evidence indicates mm -hmm. that if you are scheduled as a refugee claimant to show up at your refugee board hearing and you do not, and then you go underground and avoid the police rounding you up for a certain period of time, uh, the state surrenders. We throw in the towel, we cancel the, the, the warrant. This is outrageous. I mean, I think of myself as a law-abiding citizen yourself, our, our audience. If we refuse, say, to pay our taxes, does the Canadian Revenue Agency say, well, both, we tried to uh, issue a notice, but uh, he ain't paying, so we'll just um, throw away that. No, they would come after us, hammer and tong. Why would they even consider this to be a good strategy in terms of national security in the first place, Sheila? I don't know if it's just the sheer capacity and volume of migrants that are now absconding from their refugee hearings um, and the Canadian government just doesn't have the resources to deal with it all. But I have a really quick fix to that and that is to secure the border. Um, and this really should have been a, a big issue in the final days of the election and it just went over with a little blip. The Conservatives came out and said, no, 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 we'll, we'll continue to try our best to enforce those warrants and that was it. And I think to some extent the rise of the Bloc Québécois again in Quebec has to do a lot with the unsecured border at Roxham Road. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I know, you know, I, I think Maxime Bernier uh, was the most vociferous candidate in addressing this issue to the point where um, they were going to fix uh, this uh, safe third country loophole. And not only that, put up a fence at these so-called irregular border crossings. I mean, I think it's outrageous, uh, Sheila, that if we know of the entry points where people are just coming in, that we're not defending the border and I would say this that if a country doesn't defend its borders well it's not much of a country to begin with that should be the fundamental um, you know identifier of a sovereign nation 
Yeah, there are duties and responsibilities that come with citizenship in the same way that there are privileges. And when we uh, diminish the value of our citizenship by affording it to any lawbreaker who strolls into our country, are we really a country at all? And I suppose um, that might not be my problem <laughs> in a little bit because uh, I'll be joining the Alberta Border Patrol. And, and Sheila, you know, I, I want to go back to the, the original um, uh, premise that those questions that, you know, the Harper uh, regime came up with were racist. Why is it that asking questions about certain religious beliefs, uh, certain cultural beliefs, is deemed to be racial in the first place. It has nothing to do with race. It's what you believe in, in terms of an ideology. So why is this government lying that these questions were racist in the first place? Well, let's, let's put it another way. I'm a Catholic, I'm a practicing Catholic. I, I think I probably practice my religion, at least in some form, every single day. I try to go to mass once a week, although I'm not the best at that. Um, but if I were trying to, let's say, emigrate to England in the times of the Troubles, and they asked me, um, how often do you uh, practice your religion, and uh, do you believe that uh, the crown is illegitimate, and, and would you use uh, violence to achieve independence for Northern Ireland? Um, I, I would understand why they were at least asking me those questions, given what was going on uh, in the culture and in the country at the time. So it's not racism. It's taking a group of people and then IDing the extremists within them. You're weeding out the extremists with those questions. You're not calling everybody an extremist. You're doing your best to ID the extremists within the one group. Um, and now we can't even do that. And if we did ID any extremists, that information is gone. Indeed, I agree with you, Sheila. In fact, you're doing a disservice to legitimate refugees truly feeling persecution as opposed to being an economic uh, refugee. Final question. Uh, we know what the results were of Monday night, unfortunately. So, uh, and I know you've been on this file for the last few years and you've done great commentaries, great investigative work in showing what's going on in terms of the so-called irregular immigration to Canada, but given the result of Monday night, Sheila, nothing's going to change, is it? Nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change, and I think that's why you're seeing this fire, this burning fire of Western separatism, because I think these are issues that parts of the country care deeply about. I mentioned the bloc already, and I mentioned the West. These are issues that um, matter and resonate with conservative voters uh, because we feel like we are paying for these uh, for open borders um, and nobody's listening. And it's pretty clear nothing's going to change. Um, the first wave of Justin Trudeau's Syrian refugees, they were able to vote in this election. And, you know, you can see um, the voter turnout um, and how things went in Toronto and where those refugees settle. It, it's just not going to change. It's going to get worse. It's pulling this country apart. And uh, I don't think the Liberals care all that much. Indeed, uh, we'll leave it at that. She'll not only not care all that much, but perhaps given the results of Monday evening, feel emboldened and yeah. even more arrogant that they're doing the right thing by doing the wrong thing. Sheila, once again, uh, another superb uh, commentary. I urge all our uh, viewers to go and, and watch it in its entirety. And thank you for joining me here today. 
Thanks, David. You got it. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed in Alberta, which is still, for now, a part of Canada. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. The Bloc Québécois grew in Quebec, including at the expense of the NDP. The Greens went from two seats to three. But what all these losers have in common is that they hate Alberta and hate Alberta oil and hate Alberta oil pipelines along with Trudeau. That's what they all have in common. Here's Trudeau as a young man. Quebecers are better than the rest of Canada because, you know, we're Quebecers. He was in his late 20s then. That's when he was a teacher at West Point Grey Academy. Here he is about 10 years later, all grown up, almost 40, phrasing his bigotry even more aggressively. Regardez, le Canada fait dur maintenant parce que c'est des Albertains qui contrôlent notre, notre agenda communautaire et socio-démocratique. Ça marche pas. Est-ce que le Canada est mieux servi quand il y a plus de Québécois au pouvoir que quand il y a plus d'Albertains au pouvoir? Ben, je suis libéral, alors c'est sûr que je pense que oui. Certains, quand, certainement, quand on regarde euh, les grands premiers ministres du 20e siècle, les seuls qui ont vraiment tenu le coup, c'était des députés du Québec. C'était... Trudeau, c'était Mulroney, c'était Chrétien, c'était Paul Martin. Alors, on a un rôle, on a ce, ce pays, le Canada, est à nous. Yeah, when someone shows you who they are, why don't you believe them? And that's the thing, Quebec separatism was always fake. They get, what, $14 billion a year from equalization, mainly from Alberta and Saskatchewan. Don't tell me that they'd really walk away from that. It's just a bargaining stance to get whatever else they want. Alberta separatism, I see it rising in a way I haven't before, and it's not fake, and it's not noisy, and it's not showy, it's quiet and resolved. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know that across Canada, people are thinking, the system's broken. Well, once upon a time, when it came to the idea of a province separating from Canada, it was always about Quebec independence. But after two failed referendums, the idea of Quebec existing as its own republic is now deader than disco. And that's assuming Quebec really wanted to separate in the first place, as opposed to using the idea of separation as a bargaining chip. Yet meanwhile in Quebec, in Alberta rather, a separatist vibe is indeed gaining momentum. And there's nothing fake about this movement. And joining me now to discuss this issue is our very own rebel commander, Ezra Levent. So Ezra, first question, if you care to speculate, if there was a re referendum in Alberta today, about exiting from Canada, how do you think that would go? Well, I think it would, uh, depends on the wording. I don't think Albertans would be ready to push the separate button just yet because I think a lot of questions haven't <coughs> been figured out. Uh, I think there has to be a conversation where questions are answered. Do we get our pension? What happens with our passport? What currency will we use? Will we be part of NAFTA? Will we get a pipeline? There's a lot of questions, but every one of those questions probably has an answer, and every one of the answers is probably as good or better than the current answers, which are, you'll be uh, the whipping boy for the Liberals, the Green Party, the NDP, and the Bloc. You won't get any pipelines, but we sure will take your equalization payments. Mm. Net $14 billion a year will leave Alberta to Ottawa, and You'll be called bigots, xenophobes, homophobes, Islamophobes. <laughs> so um, I, I think once that conversation is had, I think the answer certainly could be yes. Um, there was a separatist movement in Alberta 
about 40 years ago, Preston Manning came along and said the West wants in. Hey guys, don't separate. We got a better way. Let's fix Canada. And for a dozen years, Albertans and other Westerners said, okay, Preston, you seem like a good guy. We trust you. Let's do it. And what happened instead is that split the vote. It gave the Liberals three majority governments back to back. And things got worse. Um, Here you have the Conservative Party with a Western leader, and he can't beat Trudeau with the perfect storm, SNC-Lavalin, blackface, like just, you just couldn't do it. And the result is more economic punishment coming to Alberta. I think that the goodwill was tried already mm-hmm. under Preston Manning, the Reform Party. I don't think there's that, okay, we'll just fix it. Uh, you know, aw shucks, um, utopianism that Preston Manning, like Preston Manning, in his own way, was an idealistic dreamer mm-hmm. who failed. And I say this as, I mean, I was his legislative assistant for two years. And listen, the guy had high hopes. It just wasn't real life. So I think that good faith is gone. And it's more a resignation or just, okay, let's just get on with it. It's not a hot, passionate anger. It's just, okay, let's get out now. You know, Ezra, do you think that it's somewhat perversely ironic that the biggest force to keep Alberta in confederation would indeed be the federal conservative party. And I say that because without those 34 seats, none of which went liberal on Monday, um, perhaps the idea of uh, the conservative party ever getting a majority government again is a, um, is, is a distant dream. Um, so even though it might be beneficial for Albertans to chart their own destiny and be free of the Ottawa uh, politics when it comes to the fossil fuel industry. Um, Conservatives, which won 33 of those 34 seats, would be the ones clamoring to keep the province in. Yeah, well, I mean, and you did this in your streeters, uh, your Vox Pop uh, asking on uh, Torontonians, uh, if there's 338 seats and Trudeau won, I think, 156 of them, that's a minority. But if you took Alberta out, there would be 304 seats, and Trudeau would still have 156. He would have a majority. Yes. And that was with him doing not so great. <laughs> so you would have perpetual liberal governments. How's the, how's the Liberal Party not going to like that? You could meet your carbon emission targets immediately, because <laughs> Alberta has a third yeah. of all the national emissions. Immediately, 100%. you'd meet your targets. Um, Ideological opposition, I mean, Alberta for a long time has been the source of conservative ideas. Ralph Klein was the template for Mike Harris in terms of reigning in the size of government. Right. Opposition to gun control, opposition to bilingualism, opposition to out of control multiculturalism or immigration. A lot of these ideas come from Alberta. So why wouldn't the establishment, the Laurentian elite, want to be rid of Alberta. I mean, the obvious reason is they like the 15 billion, 14, 15 billion dollars a year they get, yep. but just that's just money to Justin mm. Trudeau. I mean, he, he'll spend that on a drunk weekend in foreign aid. <laughs> so uh, if you're a Laurentian elite, you're happy to say goodbye to the redneck province. Now, I might put some other things in motion. How long would Saskatchewan stick around? Mm. Would parts of BC want to leave? Would Quebec say, well, we're out of here? I don't know what would happen. But it's very understandable that Alberta is sort of done with things. Uh, I, you know, we've talked about this before. When Stephen Harper was the prime minister, he never had many seats in Quebec. But he, 
his entire term he went out of his way to be pro-Quebec. He always answered a question first in French before English, always. Yeah. He practices French all the time. He gave Quebec too much money. Mm -hmm. He fixed the fiscal imbalance or whatever they called it. He, he really quieted uh, Quebec I independence by giving them whatever they wanted and not picking fights with them. They never returned the love, but he basically gave them what he needed to. And the proof of that is that the Parti Québécois and the Bloc Québécois basically vanished because they weren't angry with Ottawa anymore. Um, Harper never demonized them, never campaigned against them in other regions. That's completely the opposite of what Trudeau and the other leaders I just named did to Alberta. In every case, Alberta was the punchline to their jokes, yep. the punching bag of their, of their shots. And, you know, Ezra, when I speak to friends and families and colleagues, as this is getting some traction about an Alberta separatist movement, um, and I have to say many of these people have never even been to Alberta, they just say, oh, this is posturing. Albertans are Canadians. They would never think this way. And I say, oh, you want to bet? I've been to Alberta in the last couple of weeks, and I've talked to people who have lost homes, have lost their vehicles, depending on food banks mm -hmm. to feed their families. And this is because of a political process that's preventing them from getting their product to market. We just saw hundreds of layoffs at Husky Oil mm -hmm. uh, in the day after the election. This sentiment is not posturing, I don't think, Ezra. It's very real. Yeah. I mean, uh, I, I live in Toronto now, but I, I visit Alberta at least monthly. And w when I left Alberta to come to Toronto for the Sun News Network, Alberta, and Calgary in particular, was famous for the, the strongest workforce, the lowest unemployment. I mean, the unemployment rate would be around 4%, 3%, whatever. Right. Like, it was, there was no one working, sorry, no one not working unless they were choosing not to work. Yes. Um, that has completely changed. You see homeless people throughout Alberta, and it's not by choice, and it's not just the mentally ill who were not institutionalized or the forgot. It's, it's people who used to have a six-figure job. Uh, you see, like you, you talked about the food banks, you see bankruptcies. To this day, uh, the, the office space is 30-40% vacancy. Unbelievable. Um, and it's hard to believe because Alberta was all, well, how it's just a forever engine, the goose that lays a golden egg. Well, so was Detroit, Michigan. Um, 100 years ago, 80 years ago, Detroit was the leading industrial center in America, yep. Motor City. It had the highest industrial wage in America. That's why so many people flocked there, uh, including African Americans. Yes. That was because it was in the north, um, get out of the Jim Crow areas, get a great job. Like it was a great, it was the best city if you're a working man. Well, you add 50 layers of democratic rule to that, Detroit's population has actually declined. Correct. Uh, those gorgeous uh, buildings that they built in the boom years, 30s, 40s, 50s, are now vacant. Yeah. It is possible to kill a goose that lays a golden egg. They did it to Detroit. They did it to Venezuela. They did it to Argentina. They're doing it to San Francisco and L.A., and they yes. will do it to uh, Alberta. I, I agree, and, and I'm glad you brought up the auto industry, um, Ezra, because for those people living in central Canada, what I say to them, imagine a liberal federal government that had a, um, 
a policy mandate that would stymie the Ontario auto industry. Imagine a federal liberal government that had a policy mandate that would stymie the supply-managed dairy industry in Quebec. Yeah. I mean, there would be an absolute uproar. Well, and the funny thing is both <coughs> of those are not absurd because both of those are high emissions industries. Yes. The dairy industry is one of the highest emissions if you care about global warming, and mm. I, I think the whole thing is, is exaggerated, if not outright fake, because dairy cows, through their burping and farting, are <laughs> they emit as, uh, uh, as much CO2 as a car. Yes. CO2 equivalent, they emit methane. And the auto industry obviously not only makes cars, but it's very heavy in, uh, in energy and intensive in itself. Yeah. So the exact same rationale that's being put on the oil patch could be put against the auto industry or the Quebec dairy industry, but of course it's not, because it's a selective, punitive approach. It's based on an anti-Alberta bigotry. And Albertans know that and see that. And Albertans, believe it or not, are actually fine shipping billions of dollars to the rest of the country. They, they are, I've, I've really not even heard a lot of Albertans ever quarrel with that. Yeah. What they want in return is, can you stop picking on us and can you stop blocking us from earning the money that we're sending you? You're absolutely right. It's not even a matter of asking for a subsidy. It's just a matter of saying, can you get out of our way and let us bring our product to market? Exit question when it comes to Wexit, uh, <laughs> Ezra. Uh, I'm going to ask you to gaze into your crystal ball. Do you actually see a day in which there would indeed be a referendum, whether it's for separation or sovereignty association, um, in terms of Albertans going to a ballot box and determining their future this way? Well, not under Jason Kenney, because he, in my view, harbors ambitions to become the Prime Minister. Mm. And if he were to um, facilitate in any way or even give rhetorical support towards an independence or separatist uh, mission, that would uh, disqualify him in the eyes of many Eastern voters, and it would certainly be a chief angle of attack for his Liberal opponents. So I think you will see him as being against that. Not just that, but just as the math works that you take Alberta out of the game, the Liberals will win every time. You take Alberta out of the game, the Conservatives will lose every time. And so the people who most want Alberta in the country, uh, other than those who cash the checks from its equalization, are Conservative politicians. Um, you ask, I mean, it's, it's sort of ridiculous, the questions that you ask in your streeters. <laughs> uh, about this me meets Alberta's, uh, you take Alberta out of confederation, you immediately meet your goals. And yeah. I saw your question, and some people said, yeah. <laughs> What's so stupid about that is that the, the oil will still be produced as if there's like a border or exactly. something. But it's no stupider than cutting back Canadian emissions while China builds hundreds of coal-fired power plants. It's just, it's, this, it's just the same level of stupid. But I think that, um, I think that all these Alberta haters, well, maybe their dream, let us give them their dream come true. Yeah. And they'll need a new scapegoat when Alberta's gone, and they'll be a lot poorer while they do it. But maybe, um, maybe everyone's happier that way. I mean, I, a separation need not be, as the Quebec separatists used to say, a never-ending trip to the dentist. They wanted <laughs> it to be painful because they didn't actually want to separate. They wanted just to wring out concessions. But look at the check. Uh, Czech Republic and Slovakia. Yes. They just unhooked. Um, Brexit. Uh, the population voted for it. Now the politicians are, are delaying it because they don't like the result. You would see that in Canada too. You would see the entire media party, which is based in Toronto. You, all the Alberta media is owned in Toronto. 
you would see all the NGOs, all the banks, all the establishment against it. You would see hundreds of millions of dollars spent to stop it from leaving. Yeah. But if it left nonetheless, um, it would be quick and painless. Not painless, but there, you keep $14 billion a year in your province, um, any pain will quickly be, be uh, absolved. Indeed. Well, Ezra, thank you so much for weighing in. And there you have it, folks. I guess only time will tell if Alberta will remain a full-fledged member of Confederation or to paraphrase the words of General de Gaulle, uh, Viva Alberta Libra. Mm -hmm. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Oh, hey, folks, you're on the Team Scroll, right? Uh, is it true what she said that black people appreciated Justin Trudeau donning blackface? Yeah. Really? You appreciated that, man? I appreciate Trudeau. Because okay. I've always been told that's a racist thing to do to, to don, for a white person to don blackface. Hi, sir. What's that? Why is that, sir? Really disgusting. Oh, was it? As disgusting as the Prime Minister wearing blackface, sir? Excuse me. Huh? I tapped on the shoulder because you ran into me, sir. I, it was an accident. Oh, it was an accident? Sorry. We'll just get you in the front here. Sorry. Who is this guy? I, it's okay. I've told you to wait over there. If you can just please wait yeah. well, He, uh, he I, ran I'll into me. Did you see him? Well, that was footage from last Friday of a Justin Trudeau rally in Vaughan, Ontario. Once again, we were barred entry to the hall. That's okay. If the Liberal Party of Canada wants to be petty and vindictive, it has every right to do so. And we received verbal abuse from some of the attendees. And hey, that's okay too, because, you know, sticks and stones and all that jazz, right? But yet again, yours truly was subjected to physical abuse by some goon who claimed it was all an accident. And no, that's not okay. Indeed, where are these sunny ways Justin Trudeau promised some four years ago? Because, folks, the sky still looks pretty overcast to me. In any event, here's what some of you had to say about the bully boy tactics certain liberals like to employ when they don't care for the questions being asked. The old one writes, David the manhandled menzoid, highlighting this corrupt election campaign. Well, you know, old one, the physicality that I put up with, as well as my colleague Kean Bexty, was indeed beyond the pale. But we kept a stiff upper lip, as the Brits like to say, and we soldiered on. Yet, imagine if a CBC reporter had been treated in such a fashion. Imagine the uproar from the media party. But when this kind of crap happens to a rebel reporter, well, <laughs> move along, folks. Nothing to see here. The hypocrisy and the double standards are off the charts. Death Larson writes, some old geezer or anyone bumps into me like that, my fist knocking him out is also an accident. Well, Death Larson, I would be lying if I told you that I never considered reacting in a similar fashion as those who got physical with me over the course of the election campaign. But the democratic process should not resort into acts of violence. That's not civilized, that's barbaric. And besides, I just kind of get this feeling that if I were to respond in kind, I'd be the one sitting in the back seat of a police cruiser. Christian Bolt writes, the ever peaceful, tolerant left. Indeed, Christian, it's funny how these same people like to proclaim that love trumps hate 
And then you say something those on the left don't like, and the next thing you know, a bicycle lock or something is being smashed over your head. Yeah, the left talks a mean game when it comes to tolerance, but in practice, not so much. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for tuning in. And remember, folks, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.